0: Welcome. You've heard it from me and other objectivists in the last year that the new big thing in the conservative milieu, the new big thing in the universe of the right is national conservatism. We've criticized that movement. We've talked about why it is a movement which is consciously anti-freedom and why this is big news that now the the most prevalent part in the right is openly anti-freedom. But many of you were not really convinced. You're probably going to be convinced now. So what happened these days was the Conference of National Conservatives in the United Kingdom. And it's interesting for two reasons. The one is how many prominent intellectuals, opinion makers, activists. So everyone who is someone in the British right was in that conference. And all of these people agreed in one thing, that national conservatism is something which is reinvigorating for the right, something which is reinvigorating for conservatism. So we're going to do two things today. We're going to remind you, for those of you who have not paid attention, what this movement is about. And also we're going to do a recap of some of the highlights in this conference because they're very, very interesting. And actually their uh, to their credit, uh, National Conservatives did live tweeting from the conference and also many of the videos from the talks are already out. So all this material is available for you to go and check it out and judge for yourselves. Just go to follow National Conservatives on Twitter or their channel on YouTube. But I'm not going to do this alone. I'm here with Nicholas Krusek. Nicholas is a uh, Someone who has been also paying attention to this movement. He has done his research for today, he did his homework. So, Nicholas, you've watched any video that was available from this conference. Give us your first take on what you got out of it. How would you characterize this movement? And then we're going to get into more details.
1: Good to see you, Nikos. Before I talk about my impressions of the actual speeches themselves and some of the very amusing interruptions to the speeches, which we can discuss as well, I made a point of watching some interviews. So we know that uh, the left-wing media were for the most part excluded from participating in this conference, from attending this conference, but there were some members of the media present interviewing people, interviewing attendees as they were going in, and some of the comments there were extremely interesting. There's an overwhelming sense of frustration with the Tory party as it exists today. One comment that came up again and again is really there is no conservative party or there is no conservative movement in Britain. So we, they're, the point of view they're expressing is we need to some way refocus the direction of the conservative party towards traditional values, nationalism, family values, against everything that the left is doing, everything the Labour Party is doing. So the overwhelming sense I got was a real frustration with the direction the culture is headed in, in, in education, in politics, and a sense of frustration that the Conservative Party is not sufficiently differentiating itself in terms of its policies. And Uh, On on a personal note, you could very much say the same thing for the Conservative Party in Canada. I I often say that there is no Conservative Party in Canada. There's a party that calls itself Conservative, but in its rhetoric, it's really no different from Justin Trudeau's Liberals. They rail against big business. They rail against corporate privilege. They don't really say anything that appeals to traditional classical liberal values, traditional right wing values. So I think the sense of frustration I get from the people attending this conference is very much in line with what we see in North America as well. And it's the same sort of frustration that eventually gave rise to the phenomenon of Donald Trump and uh, Ron DeSantis and a lot of what we see even now south of the border, south of my so border. So let's
0: let's highlight something here. This is something healthy. What is something healthy? That people are saying, look, there's a political vacuum. There's a, po- there's a need for some different type of politics. That's the one thing. And the other thing, as you said, as one of the speakers said, that uh, conservatives should sue the conservative party for uh, bringing a bad name to their cause. And the other good thing that is happening here is that a big parts of the political spectrum, what we would call the conservatives, come together and say, hey, we need some ideology. We need some philosophy. We need some ideas. So it's very, it's very correct what you bring to the table, that these are people looking for answers. And these are people who are actually very eager to go beyond the pragmatism of quote centrist politics, which is politics without ideology, and saying we need some ideology. But let us now answer the question, what is this ideology of national conservatives? And then I will I will get back to you in terms of talking about the conference. So let's remind the viewers the five main pillars, the five main points of the ideology of national conservatism as they are to be found in the book of the intellectual leader or of an intellectual influence of the movement, Yoram Hazoni, who was also the person who gave the keynote. So Hazoni has written a book called Conservatism a Rediscovery and there he talks about the the five key issues in national conservatism. Number one, historical empiricism historical empiricism what does that mean it means that we cannot draw by using our reasoning our mind we cannot draw universal conclusions about what is good and bad or what is good and bad for the uk for example might not be good or bad for india or for canada so through history through drawing lessons from history People are able to draw conclusions. So forget big theories. Let's just see what works. This is the first axis, national conservatism. Second axis. Second axis is nationalism. What does nationalism mean? It means that the subject, the unit, is not the individual. The unit is the nation. So what is the role of politics? What is the role of the discipline of politics? To see what is good for the group for the nation. So the groups are family, clan, tribe, nation. This is this is how national conservatives view society. It's a society created substituted from groups. So the role of conservatives should be to answer the question: what is good for the group? What is good for the nation? So that's the second axis. So till now we have. Historical empiricism, which means, let's see from history what works. Number two, nationalism. Number three, religion. Why? Because, again, if our mind is not good enough or is not, our mind is fallible, they're saying. Therefore, we cannot know what is universally good. Who can tell us what is universally good? Religion. And here comes, though, the interesting point. And religion, as as Hazoni says, is indispensable also for justice. So this is not your religion like you go to Sunday at the church. This also means that this religion is going to play a role in how you run your political affairs. Or maybe what things are allowed and what things are not allowed. So third axis religion. Fourth axis is limited uh, executive power. Okay, that's good. Like... We're not going to have a king or a führer or a duce. And the fifth thing is finally something about individual freedom. So what they say about individual freedom is it's good. Why? It's good because it leads to a healthier society. But, of course, here comes the but, it is not an end in itself. So individual freedom is good in a particular, uh, like how do you call it when you put in the food, in a particular uh, proportion In a particular, it's it's like a spice. It's good or maybe an ingredient, not just, a spice, but not, that's not the end in itself. This is why, following the proper rules and following the proper uh, procedures, this individual freedom can be curtailed. Based on what? Based on the other principles, what history tells us is good. So, for example, if history tells us that, uh, I don't know, only the nuclear family creates good societies, maybe there should be part of the law on what type of families are good and what are not good. I'm just bringing a, I'm just making up this example. or if something is not good for the nation, then it might not be allowed for the individual to do it. So for example you might want to one might want to create uh, let's say pornographic uh, obscene art but this is not good for the nation or religious tell us this is not good. therefore this doesn't mean that because it's your quote as they would say individual right? this is to be allowed. So these are the five axes. I'm not even sure what's the plural of axis and whether it is axes. These are the five main principles of national conservatives. Back to you, Nicolas. How did these principles play in the conference? Or tell us uh, what got your attention from the conference?
1: Well... Certainly, judging, by the way, the the media, who are tended to be generally antagonistic or hostile to this conference, the way it's been portrayed, uh, there's been a a lot of emphasis on the fact that many of the speakers have tried to promote traditional conservative ideas. You mentioned the nuclear family, family values. Religion was certainly huge. So I understand that at the conference, they actually had a either a minister or a priest. They had a, they had a, a man of the cloth there who would yeah. lead prayer groups. I think they did that on a, on a daily basis. And if you are uh, getting back to the interviews, the discussions with the people out in the streets who were attending the conference, many of them identified as Christians, saying we need more Christian values in UK society. So there was a lot of that. There was certainly a lot of hostility towards the the LGBT movement or particularly the the trans movement a lot of the the trans uh, you know, as being part of education uh, one of the speakers made the very controversial yeah comment. let's be you let's love-
0: be let's be fair to them uh, there has been hostility to let's say the culture war around the promotion yeah. of the LGBT values because they would say we have nothing against uh, let's say the rights. But uh, the fact that uh, these values are taught to school and the kind of woke has taken over an institution, we have a problem with that. Yes, it's not the
1: trans people as such. It's the ideology that's being promoted, and particularly the the very young age that's being promoted too. One of the speakers, for example, made a controversial comment. If you love your children, send them to a less woke school. Did you hear that particular comment? And so a lot of the comments that were made there have been... Seized upon by the media. For example, Douglas Murray, he gave us he gave a speech on the Monday night where he made this interesting comment that, well, there's there's nothing wrong with nationalism. There's nothing wrong with nationalism in Britain just because the Germans took nationalism and mucked it up twice in one century. And that's of course been attacked as being uh, uh, an insensitive comment, as minimizing or trivializing the Holocaust. So these are these are the little details that have been you know, seized
0: upon in the reporting on this particular issue. Right. So obviously, the the media, the way they viewed the con they, they, they try to find some small you know scandals here and there. Oh, this person said this, Oh, why was this person there? But we will focus, let's try to focus on the actual ideas that were promoted in the conference. So I said in the beginning that national conservatives, their main point is that freedom, that liberalism and conservatism was a match made in hell. That it was for historical reasons, conservatism and classical liberalism were fellow travelers, but the biggest loser of this fellow traveling, let's say, was conservatism. So what are they saying? They're saying we made a historical mistake, which is align ourselves with liberalism, classical liberalism. Why is this a mistake? Because, and they're right, liberalism, classical liberalism, does not guarantee the maintaining of any tradition. Classical liberalism has its own agenda. Its own agenda is the defense of individual rights or individual freedom. We have a different agenda, they would say. Our agenda is conserving, preserving institutions, values, traditions, ways of life. Now, what does this mean practically? It means that things like...
1: Hostility to immigration is one of the themes of
0: the conference. It's also one of the themes. Why? Because this goes against our traditional way of life. So what is the implication of this? The implication is that things like capitalism, individualism, things that we would consider that the conservatives would be in favor of, are now out of the window. Let me give you some particular examples from the conference. Again, with the words of uh, the attendees so we so someone said for example the ideal subject in uh, the the ideal subject in capitalism is the person who spends the maximum time in consumption and avoids anything else like family by the way this is the caricature that the left gives about capitalism that capitalism makes us like zombies and makes us this uh, makes us this uh, these uh, mindless consumers. Or later they say, I want, someone else says, I want conservatives to realize there is a wealth of history, ideas, and perspectives to draw from, that we don't have to limit ourselves to the capitalist ethic or the enlightenment of Western Europe. This is like, end of quote, this is like me listening to the West, to the left. This is like me listening to people saying, well, capitalism is alienating capitalism is immoral or at best amoral or the Western enlightenment is not something which is good for our societies as a guiding ideology or someone else mentioning that what would Maggie do, meaning what would Thatcher do is not anymore a question to ask when it comes to economics or there was someone else. And actually this someone else was uh, some prominent conservative think tankers who said, look, we don't anymore follow Reagan and Thatcher, but that's okay. We should embrace that. And also the president of the Heritage Foundation was there, which is very important, one of the key conservative think tanks. And he made explicit what was uh, recently in one of their papers, which said that free enterprise and conservative values do not always go hand in hand. And it's time to question the uncritical, as they say, support that conservatives have given to free enterprise. So what we have in this conference, it's an official divorce conservative saying, we denounce this idea of liberalism and capitalism. And at best, at best, they can be tools here and there towards achieving something else, but they're not ends in themselves. The freedom of the individual is not an end in itself.
1: Really, none of this is surprising. And this is what objectivists have been saying for decades. You can't have capitalism and altruism. You can't have free markets and religion and morality of self-sacrifice. And this is all coming out into the open. The conservatives realize now that they have to choose. They can have one or the other. They can have their Christianity. They can have their traditions. They can have their you know, anti-immigration or they can have free markets, they can have individual liberty and they're choosing the former and rejecting the latter. So it's really they're showing their true colors. But in showing their true colors, they're actually not all that different from the left that they love to demonize so much. It's like the two seemingly opposing ideologies are meeting in the middle.
0: They're meeting in the middle. And what is their more? What is their ethics? Their ethics is the ethics of self-sacrifice. So, listen to this, for example. Uh, there was a lot of discussion, as we said, about marriage and family. So, this is here's how one participant put it marriage, he said, marriage is not all about you. It's not just a private arrangement, it's a public act by which you undertake to live for someone else, for their sake and the sake of your children and the sake of wider society. Or later, paraphrased, Marriage is not only about you, it's a public act to live for the sake of someone else. Like, I find this a very bad selling of, of marriage, but it tells a lot about what are their ethics. Their ethics are: The problem with today's society is that we are too individualistic. The problem is we're too selfish. So things like marriage, you shouldn't see it as something for your pleasure. You should see it as something as a duty that you have to someone else. And to society so it's going back to Christian ethics so what is happening the conservative movement is finding itself without a philosophy it's looking around and the only philosophy available is the philosophy of the religious ethics I shouldn't just say Christian because again the leading uh, national conservatives is Yoram Hazoni who is a card carrying uh, he's, hes a so he would say it's the judeo-christian tradition he's a practicing jew but he would say look if you're not going to be a jew at least be a christian because he sees this as part of the same tradition so the judeo christian tradition is the one that is going to give us our moral marching uh, our moral marching orders so nothing new here but uh, it's it's quite telling that they recognize and they're sincere that hey judeo christian morality and capitalism don't go hand in hand. Ayn Rand told us so half a century ago. So what is their solution? Throw to the bin capitalism and keep the Judeo-Christian morality.
1: Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the uh, interesting interruptions to this, the speeches, some of the disruptions and hecklers?
0: Yeah, I saw I saw one guy who interrupted the uh, uh, Riesmaul. Yeah. So what was this guy about? He was
1: uh, So he was a w- well-dressed elderly gentleman, clearly very, very articulate. Apparently he was a protester with Extinction Rebellion, which is a climate change activist oh. group. And so he, got, he actually got up on stage, walked over to the lecture during the opening keynote speech of uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Uh, he grabbed the microphone and he started saying something about fascism before he was frog-marched off the stage by
0: security. It's, it's, it's interesting that, again, the left sees this and they think they're facing like the ultimate enemy and they don't see how they are having so many similarities with these guys. In essence, not in, not, in, not in politics, but in essence, there are similarities between them. Or see how they have a common enemy. And this common enemy is individualism. They both despise individualism. And here's the funny thing. The left, thinks that the right are bad because they're individualistic. But here's the plot twist. The right thinks the left is the villain because the left is individualistic. Listen to this comment, which was my favorite comment from the whole conference by another participant. She says, quote, The movement formerly known as the, quote, the left, is one of radical libertarianism of the body underwritten by a ballooning biotech industry demanding the right of individuals to pursue total biomedical self-mastery. So apparently, Nicholas, the problem with the left is that they're radical libertarianism <laughs> and they want the individual. So the problem with the left is not that it's the return of the primitive, the new left, as Ayn Rand would put it, is that they're too transhumanist. Like I was reading this, and I was saying, "Where is that left? I want to sign up to that left. I want to return to that left, which wants to this radical uh, libertarianism of the body, whatever whatever that means." So, they, it's it's unbelievable. It's like the right and the left are really are living in parallel universe, and they have such a caricature view of each other, whereas they are the same. And today I, I wrote a thread on Twitter about how even. Postmodernists are quite alike with national conservative, but that's a whole different uh, that's a whole different body uh, topic. But let me ask you this: How do you what do you make of the fact that like boring mainstream conservative politicians or uh, members of the government that has been like the least the, the 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 least quote conservative government ever have gone to this conference and now they can say, oh look, we are uh, we are a, a, we are culture war fighters and we are ideological firebrands because we went to this conference. And they are people who, as ministers, were guided by anything but ideology. So in a way, this conference, isn't it also something like every intellectually bankrupt politician goes there and now it's like, hey, I'm part of an ideological movement
1: yeah i definitely get that impression and
0: yet uh, even
1: though the, it seems like a herd of conservatives looking for an ideology one comment that often came up is we need more pragmatism i actually heard that comment repeatedly in some of the interviews we we need to be more pragmatic uh we can't be we can't be too ideologically
0: driven yeah so we 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 need more ideology but also we need to be more pragmatic and you mentioned douglas Murray, who is a prominent intellectual of the Anglo-Saxon conservatives. Here's what is very interesting in his talk. Douglas Murray asked some of the very right questions, the, pro- the questions that need to be asked. He says, We have an inflation, we have a shortage in housing, we have a stagnant economy. Uh, young people are never going to get a, a probably not going to get a level, a quality of life that uh Is going to be better than the previous generation. And he says, the left has no answers to all these things. And I was nodding, like, yes, yes, you're right. But then what is the answers that he gave? Okay, the left has no solution. You're right, Douglas Murray. We face these big problems, the debt, all that stuff. And the left has no solutions. What are your solutions? And you know what was his three main points that will solve these problems? Love, gratitude, and aspiration. So you criticize the left that they have no solutions and your solutions is just like kumbaya wishful thinking that, I mean, aspiration, I guess is a good thing, but how are you actually going to solve these problems? And I think this is quite telling about the predicament of the right today. The right has no answers. The right has no solutions. The right has no plan. All they can do is fight the left in the trenches of the culture wars. And they love that. Because while you're in the trenches of the culture wars, your lack of policies, your lack of ideas is hidden. When you get out of the culture wars and you have to solve actual issues like stagnant economy, housing, then your ideological nakedness becomes quite evident. So I found his talk, again, as an orator, he's great. But I didn't see I didn't see any solutions in this in it and in, what you're in the talk about
1: the right, isn't that true to some extent of the left as well? They also don't have any solutions, any principles, any ideas. And certainly they don't have any good ideas. All they can do is attack the right for being pro-gun,
0: pro-fossil fuels, but they really don't have any solutions either.
1: And I well that's
0: really, yeah. that that's the thing with the culture wars. It's a tango that they dance with each other and they need each other. They need each other because They need the other tribe, again, to to hide their intellectual uh, nakedness. So being a man of my words, I usually, the promises, daily objective has to be below 30 minutes. So shall we read some super chats? Let's do it. So Marilyn, thank you very much for your comments. So she says, Hazon is the head of Edmund Burke Foundation. Yes, he is. But these days, his big project is uh, national conservatism. Did the foundation play a big role in the conference? Uh, not the really. because I, right? What? The Edmund Burke Foundation, they were
1: the organizers of this conference.
0: Yeah, they? but but these days, it's it's the umbrella group, let's say, is national conservatism. So it's the same person, Yoram Hazoni, but if you want to find them, you find them under uh, national conservatism, both on Twitter and on YouTube. So... Uh, I'm sorry to hear that Douglas Murray says Mar- Marin was there. Well, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. So uh, I knew that he was around the, that, uh, that group. Thank you very, very much, Equal to Reality. And thank you very much, Jonathan, for your support. So parting words, Nicolas.
1: Something I find extremely interesting. When... The people on the left are attacking national conservatism. One word that they often throw around is fascism. Like, for example, the gentleman, the protester who interrupted Jacob rees he used the word fascism. But do they, do they actually equate national conservatism with fascism, with the old fascism of the 30s and 40s? And when national conservatism, when they attack la- the left, when they attack wokeness, they throw around quite a lot the, world, the words cultural Marxism. That was a phrase which came up quite a bit during the conference. I heard that at least one of the speakers used the phrase cultural Marxism 10 times or 12 times. But do they really know what they're talking about? Do they really understand the connection between the ideas on the left today and their roots in, whether it's in the Frankfurt School or other ideas going back many, many decades?
0: This is like historical, what they call in video games, I'm told, LARPing. Like you, 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 you are in a like in, in an imaginary world where you fight imaginary evil. So no, the right is not fascist and the left are not communist. They're quite bad. They're both authoritarian. But trying to make sense of this by using these tools of the past is intellectual laziness. This So you have to understand these movements for what they are. So anyone who is worried about national conservatism, I invite you to go and read Yoram Hazoni's conservatism rediscovery. You will be even more worried, <laughs> but at least it will be for the right reasons. Or if you if you are worried about critical race theory, go and read the actual books. Again, you'll probably find that it's worse than you thought, but at least you're gonna have a proper understanding of uh, of this. So that's a good that's a good point to end with uh Nicholas. So 10 p.m UK time tonight, cutting edge with Lee Pearson. On a, uh, and the topic will be a deeper plunge into the subconscious, and also uh, guests or co uh, with Lee. they are going to be Steve Richards, Bob Stubblefield, and special guest Gene Moroni beams Vanger. So we have uh, we have quite the program for you. So Nicolas, first I think it was the first video we did uh, we did uh, together let's do more of this i think uh, it's what you said people need to people need to spend at least the intellectual energy to understand these movements because these movements are here to stay and i'm sure we're going to get we're, we're going to have more episodes on them because we're not getting rid of these bad ideas anytime soon many thanks to nicolas many thanks to our viewers many thanks to our super chatters many thanks to our producers and arc uk for hosting us here All the best.